Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Mari Kuraishi, president of the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund in Jacksonville, Florida, joins us today to discuss her work. Previously, she co-founded and later led what could be the first modern crowdfunding site, Global Giving, helping to raise half a billion dollars for nonprofits in the developing world. She'll also teach us how to master her superpower, learning. Mari, uh, thank you so much for rejoining me for another conversation. Uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity we've had in the past to chat and your exceptional uh, insights are just invaluable. And so thank you. Thank you for coming. Delighted back. to be here, Devin. Um, you've, you've resisted this label a little bit, but I think you invented crowdfunding, you and, and uh, Dennis Whittle, your, your husband. Um, but you're, you're pretty amazing people. Um, when we spoke last, I asked you about your superpower and you said that learning was your superpower. And so I'm really interested in how the invention of crowdfunding uh, might have been influenced by your passion for your superpower of learning. That's a that's an interesting lens um, as <laughs> I as I look back on uh, how we came to found global giving. Um, you know, it's sort of a quick, too long, didn't read version of how, where I was before I started Global Giving is I had ended up at the World Bank as uh, the manager of uh, innovation and corporate strategy. And before that, I had been a country officer for the Russian Federation, which basically meant overseeing the structuring of different loans and products for the Russian Federation, which was a new member of the World Bank. Mm -hmm. I ended up doing corporate strategy and innovation without any background in that as such. But I relished um, the, the challenge of learning how to sort of uh, to, to sort of get into that space in an institution that really wasn't designed to have an innovation function uh, and really wasn't all that designed to have a corporate strategy either. It was much more a strategy of different regions and different power brokers within the World Bank. And I had always liked learning, but I was able to discover that my ability to quickly learn allowed me to simultaneously both have a fresh perspective on things because I was new to a subject, but was also able to get a sense of the landscape of that new subject fairly quickly. And that gave me a certain um, you know, vantage point that I found to be particularly helpful in being a change agent at the World Bank. So that's the, that's the story of where I was before Dennis and I founded Global Giving. We were in charge of pushing innovation and aligning the strategy at the World Bank. 
and in that process discovered for ourselves, I'm sure other people knew this, but discovered that there was this whole community and, uh, you know, millions of people literally who could have been working with us to innovate the field of international development, but were simply not being asked. And so that was a real premise behind global giving, which is that there's a whole world of social entrepreneurs, community leaders, uh, organizational leaders out there in the world whose opinions and ideas were not being leveraged and they weren't being leveraged because they had no resources to put behind their ideas and, and, and views. What would, what would the world look like if we could put resources at their disposal and make them change agents on the ground? So I think the, um, the, the original remit was help the World Bank innovate and it quickly morphed into let's help the field innovate, let's help the world innovate, let's leverage the potential of these millions of people out there in the world. So I think that's the connection into learning and the uh, impetus for global giving. Yeah, well, it, it is an amazing story and it, it, it inspires me every time I, I hear more about it because you, you invented, although you didn't label it crowdfunding then, and I don't know when you began to recognize that that's what you were doing, but it, it was a decade before uh, Indiegogo and Kickstarter were on the scene. So yes. it was long, long before the rest of us kind of caught up to where you were. It's a remarkable achievement. It, what I think global giving uh, is, is huge in its impact, and I think it's important to talk about it. I want to acknowledge that. But, but in fairness, uh, some of our audience may not have heard of it because it isn't as big as Indiegogo. It's not as big as GoFundMe. Um, but, uh, you know, you were there first and you've done some amazing things at incredible, remarkable scale. What are you, uh, what are some of the statistics behind what was done during your 20 years at Global Giving? Well, um, you know, we, we started out, you know, we had a business plan. We were going to be financially self-sufficient in three years took us nine years, not three, um, but we did get there. We, we are now completely financially self-sufficient and in fact, you know, able to put aside money for R&D and development and um, really think creatively about what the, what the going forward business model could look like for global fundraising for social good we are able to reach you know tens of thousands of community leaders uh, i think over the years we are now well over 500 million dollars uh, conveyed to 175 different countries um, and last year i think um, there was more than 100 million dollars that flowed through global giving so, wow, in a single year. Yeah, I wow. mean, it's um, it's still small relative to like a World Bank structural adjustment loan. But, you know, that 
that money has, you know, the faith and credit of the U.S. Federal Reserve and the, the Bank of England and all. So it's for for that, it's it's not too shabby. I think in, in light of the fact that when we were out in 2001 talking about the idea of global giving and seeking philanthropic support, I, I well remember somebody we were talking to who said, oh, I've heard of you guys. You, you guys work with the great unwashed. And my jaw dropped. I mean, first, because the, the statement was outrageous even back in 2001, right? But then I was like, yes, damn it, we are the outfit that works with the great unwashed. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So I love it. It's it's a different world today, isn't it? I mean, we we talk about crowdsourcing and leveraging the wisdom of crowds. Like, it's it's a given, but it wasn't. No, no, it it wasn't 20. 23, 24 years ago when you started this work. So, uh, Mari, as you reflect on your time with global giving, uh, what are you most proud personally of having accomplished there? I am most proud of having created an organization that is, that has a culture that is generative and sort of autocatalytic. By that, I mean that as, as an employee of, of Global Giving, you're not told to sit down and accomplish this task list. You're told, here's this big thing that we're trying to do. We don't know exactly the best way to do things. We, we have the current way we do things, and that's the best we can figure out for now, but you really creative, passionate, energetic person might come up with other ways of doing this. We depend on that and rely on that. And we want you to bring your um, talent to the table. And it's, um, you know, I, 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 I am proudest of the culture and the values that run global giving because it, it's a very different work environment than the one I entered into, say, at the World Bank, which was full of rules. Yeah. Yeah, that is fascinating. Fascinating. And, and when we spoke before, you talked a little bit about how at global giving, you created a, a set of values and essentially no rules and they were relatively it was a relatively short list of values to guide what people did that seems to have worked so far yeah <laughs> half a billion dollars uh later yeah. yes um, the uh well how is learning helping you in your new job congratulations on your new job at uh the jesse ball dupont dupont fund there in jacksonville so the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund is exclusively domestic. We're not a sort of digital crowdfunding platform. We're just a regular private foundation created by the will of uh, Mrs. DuPont. And we focus um, on certain geographic areas. We're really a placemaking entity. And we focus 
primarily in the states of Virginia, Delaware, and Florida, where Jesse lived and worked. And so in many ways, it's, I've had to learn a lot. And I've certainly had to learn a lot about the, the, the place uh, that I now live in, Jacksonville, um, where we are based and where Mrs. DuPont lived and its history. And it's, again, it's, it's been fascinating to, to learn. It's complicated, but rich history. And um, I find myself in that position again, where relatively quick study, but new to the subject and therefore have a point of view that isn't necessarily the same as everyone who's lived here a long time and or people who have, you know, sort of a, a cursory familiarity with the city. And I see so much potential here that it, you know, really motivates me to keep going and learn more. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's great. I'm glad to see that, that, that personal strength is continuing to manifest benefits for you. Um, one of the things that's most important for people to learn and understand from you is how to be better learners, how to learn like Mari learns. What, what would you tell people? I would tell people that every place, every person, even organizations, have a story, has a story that's unique. And the uniqueness of that story explains so much. And it, it, it's like the reaction, you know, when, when you talk to somebody and they say, oh, I didn't sleep well last night. And, you know, you might be tempted to say, well, did you drink coffee last night? Or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But if you instead ask, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What was going on that made you not sleep well last night? You might discover something about that person that you had no idea about, even though you may have been working with that person for years, right? Some element of their personal history or whatever is going on in their life. And, and these things, you know, once you hear that story, they grab you. It's just like digging a little bit under that to, to find out. So they didn't sleep well last night. Well, wonder why. Uh, instead of making assumptions about, you know, well, they probably drank coffee late at night or, you know, they had a lumpy mattress or whatever. There's a lot more to that story. Um, you know, Tolstoy says, uh, you know, every happy family is the same and every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. It, it's that really. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. discovering that, that in what way. Oh, fantastic. As you think about uh, everything you've learned in your life, what is the most important thing you've learned? The most important thing I have learned is about myself. So I, you know, was a good student as, 
sort of true to stereotype, right? <laughs> and um, I, I, I succeeded at being good at school by being fairly organized and sort of on top of things, to-do lists, deadlines, whatever, right? Which makes me um, sort of temperamentally a little rigid. Like if I make a plan and it gets derailed, it annoys me. And, and yet life is all about derailments. Yeah. And so there's that learning, right? Learning that life is about derailments. And that, but not only that, you know, derailments happen and you have to learn to cope with them. But sometimes derailments are a source of strength and opportunity. Like a derailment may suddenly allow you to do something that you had no intention of doing before because you're prevented from doing the thing you were planning to do. Yeah. And that may turn turn out to be like a pivotal change. Yeah. And that I I have learned over the years not just to like cope with derailment, but to stop and think, wait, is this is this uncovering an opportunity that I had no idea of and was not thinking about and I've gotten a lot better about like, I, ha I still have a plan because that's still me, uh -huh. but I am also totally okay with like changing on the fly. And so that had that learning of why it's okay to like look for the opportunity in derailment. That's been my biggest learning. Interesting. Interesting. It's so profound and I can relate to that. I won't share the many ways in which I can relate to what you're saying because this is about you, not me, but boy, it resonates with me as a very profound insight uh, and a great lens to look at life through. As you think about learning and you have learned a lot, including very profound things, uh, what would you say is the most important thing you've learned about learning? Um, the, the most important thing I have learned about learning, one that people learn in different ways. I learn in certain ways. Um, and I, you know, I learn from books. I learn from conversations. I learn from narrative, but others learn from visual spatial configurations of things like they can see patterns in the ways that I can't others hear certain things in certain ways others also you know learn through daydreaming right I, I'm by and large more structured learner than than that um but i've i've discovered over the years working with people that people learn in very different ways and so what may look like learning or not learning isn't always what it seems yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i um that is a, a perfect way to wrap up our discussion uh, Mari, I really, really appreciate you sharing your insights about learning, 
so that we can all become better learners. I, I think, uh, it, is it fair to say, Mari, that even if we can't become Mari Kuraishi level learners, that if we learn to learn better, it will make our lives and the world better? Is that fair? Well, I don't know that it, that my learning per se <laughs> makes the world better. I hope so, but I can't <laughs> conclusively sort of point to that end result. But I do know that learning makes me happy. So yeah. I do think that there is a possibility that being open to learning and with learning comes change, that there is a strong possibility that anyone who is open to learning and the change that comes from learning might end up happier. Yeah. Well, that is a pretty good reason. That is a pretty good reason to want to be a better learner. <laughs> so, uh, Mari, thank you so much. Um, as we wrap up, if you'd like to share uh, a few contact points, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, we'd welcome that. Sure. I'm on uh, Twitter. Uh, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, please look me up. Follow me. I do engage in conversation on social media. I'm also always happy to talk to young people who are thinking about their careers. I will do a Zoom call with pretty much any young person who wants to figure out what they want to do in life. So that invitation is out there. Oh, that's great. That's great, Mari. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time to be with us. We congratulate you on your new job and all the incredible impact you've had over your uh, stellar, spectacular rock star career in the impact arena and wish you well and uh, continued uh, success in your efforts to make the world a better place. Thank you. Love the conversation. <laughs> All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Don't forget, get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. <laughs>